the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is a podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. Welcome to episode 41 of the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. I am your host, Belinda Risley, and today I am joined by James Charters, an Australian now living and working in the United States. He owns and operates Kenga Motorsports, which is a website dedicated to helping other people get into motorsports. James races his spec racer Ford with the Sports Car Club of, of America at the famous West Coast tracks, such as Sonoma and Weather Track Raceway. James shares, shares with us today a wealth of knowledge around gaining sponsorship and maintaining sponsorship. It's actually one of my favorite podcasts. So please, I know I said all the time, but hopefully you get lots of nuggets from today as well. So grab that pen and paper and coffee and enjoy the listen. Guys, if you haven't already, we'd love for you to come and join us over at the Motorsport Sponsorship Group. Uh, the link will be there to join us. Uh, it's a fantastic community where we try and give you loads of resources tools, tricks off the tray to try and help you gain and maintain sponsorship. Um, and also, just want to say a very big thank you to Tony Regan, who left this review on our iTunes account last week. Again, um, please remember to subscribe. And if you're enjoying the show, or if not, we do appreciate your feedback um, if you can write us up a review. So Tony wrote, hey, Belinda, just a quick note to say how much I enjoyed the interview with Alexandra. It really highlighted her determination in moving countries to chase her dreams and also how much work it actually takes to be a successful motorsport athlete. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you very much, Tony, for taking the time to write that review. So, guys, let's get started with today's episode. Here's James. Hi, James, and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. I am very excited to hear your story, James, because you are an Aussie living in the US. Tell us, how did you get there and what do you do? So I came over to the US about 12 years ago, which is probably why you hear the accent. So I've been living here for some time. Um, I originally was studying for my PhD in Europe, and then I had a few people offer me a job at NASA in the US. So I took up that job and I've been here ever since. So as you would. What were you studying? What were you doing your PhD in? Uh, aerospace engineering. So I'm an aerospace engineer. I, I work in uh, systems engineering and I've worked on space and I now work on some aviation stuff. So, Yeah. And did you get into engineering through your love of motorsports or how did that all come about? So I was always interested in cars when I was younger. Um, and then in high school, a lot of my friends, you know, we, we were all uh, Japanese sports cars and then when I went to university, I was studying mechatronic engineering and I took up the formula SAE as the final year project. And then after that, though, I, I transitioned into aerospace more. And then that's where my career has been for past 12 years or so. Okay. So you do have a business called Kenga Motorsports. So tell us a little bit about that and how that works and how all that integrates into your busy life. Yeah, so I initially set up Kanga Motorsports as a way to keep friends and family updated. Um, it was a way to keep them updated on what I was doing with my racing and what events were coming up. And then as I looked into racing, I had a hard time trying to find a lot of resources on how to get started. Um, it seemed like you needed to know somebody or you know of somebody who had done it before to get into club racing. And there wasn't a lot of information online at the time. And so I started just documenting things as I found it going along. Um, like how to get started, how to visit 
events, you know, how to just show up, things like get your license. And then it grew into things like tech tips on how to wire your helmet for a radio system and then, you know, how to get faster and things like that. And so over the years, it's just grown and grown. Yeah. And when did you start that? It was about four or five years ago, I think, just when I was starting out club racing. So, Yeah, so you do currently race at the moment. What do you race over there? Where do you race? So I race with the Sports Club Car of America. It's uh, SCCA is what it's commonly referred to, and most people understand. It's like the largest sanctioning body in the U.S. for road racing, for amateur road racing. Um, And I race a Spec Racer Ford, which is a custom-built spec car you you guys would call it a one make car and so it has a two frame chassis with a fiberglass body over the top of it it's a single seater um and then it has a, a rear motor in the back and trans in the back so it's rear drive with rear motor um and then the radiators in the front and then the good thing about this class is it's very popular so there's always a lot of racing um And the cars are spec, so the motors are sealed, the transmissions are sealed, and the shocks are sealed. So a lot of it comes to driver setup and then skill on the track. So we see fields of up to 60 cars sometimes, and we regularly see fields of cars of 20 to 30 cars. And so when you're getting out started racing, you know, it's... It's kind of nice to have always have somebody to race with, you know, whether you're the back of the field where, you know, often you start, that's where I started. And then you work your way up through the, you know, the mid pack. Um, so there's always somebody to race with and there, cause there's so many racers, you always are learning things. So it's not like you're just driving around by yourself and there's two cars on the track. So. And are they uh, more forward with their data over there than what they are over here? Is it a lot more friendly at that level or is it still every man and their dog? <laughs> well, it's so it's club racing. So, you know, at the, at the end of the day, the prize is a $10 plastic trophy. So, like, I'm not – people aren't really competing for large prize money. Um, but so you'll find out when you first get started, everybody's really helpful and wants to get everybody up to speed. And then as you get to, towards the top – people don't really want to share their data as much. But, you know, when I started out and when I've been driving, a lot of the fast guys shared their data with me and that was really helpful. And so I'll often share my data with some of the new guys that are coming up just to show them, you know, hey, here's what I'm doing. And they might find something that they're doing a corner better than I am and they'll share it with me and that's great. Yeah. And so how many race meetings um, are you, um, do you get to compete in then? So we have about seven weekends in a year and, and each weekend is, is two races. So, so it's about once a month or so, um, from about March through to October and then over, uh, what is winter for, you know, what passes for winter in California, um, is kind of the down season. So it's the off season kind of thing, but there's still, you could go racing most of the year round it just may not be with our local tracks so okay and so what kind of approach do you take james in getting prepared for a race weekend uh there's a lot of things to do you know there's um i take i'm an engineer so i take a lot of notes and so I'll, i'll go over my notes from last time i was at the track and at the end of each race weekend i take down notes of where i could improve or where i was losing time to others and so that the next time I go to that track, I know these, these are the corners I need to focus on or these are the areas I need to focus on. And so I can redo that. 
I redo my track maps and then there's getting the car prep. So before each race weekend, um, there's either maintenance to be done or there's a setup to be done. So for each track, there's a slightly different setup. And so I'll spend probably at least eight hours on the car before a race weekend, just to make sure the setup's good, any maintenance is taken care of and any, uh, you know, repairs have been done over time. So, you know. So is your car at home or is it with a race team? It's with a race team. I don't have a trailer at the moment and I don't have a truck to tow it with. And so they tow it for me uh, to the track and they store it at their shop and then I'll go to the shop to work on it. Um, from there and then I do the majority of stuff I can do myself maintenance wise, but then there's always stuff I could use a hand with like pulling a motor or changing a transmission and things like that. So some of the bigger jobs, I get a lot of help from CSR performance in California. And so they've helped me all the way through, which has been fantastic. Oh, that's great. And so you mentioned about getting the car prepared. What about getting the driver prepared, James? Do you do anything specific um, in coming up to an event? Yeah, so we're, I'm lucky enough that uh, two of the local tracks are Sonoma Raceway, which is formerly Sears Point, and then the other one's uh, WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca. And so those are readily available on simulators. So I have a little chair with pedals and a shifter and stuff, and I can set up a car that is very similar to my car so I can drive laps there. Um, I'll also then review video and data. So I, I post a lot of my videos, so my fastest lap I will post. Um, mostly so that I can find it easily so I can review it when I'm watching. And then I'll also do some mental preparation about, you know, what I want to accomplish in that weekend. So before each weekend, there's normally a test day. And so on that test day, I'll put together a session plan outline. And then as the day evolves, that plan may or may not change. And so um, I may have certain goals for certain sessions as I go through and then I see how I did against those sessions. But, you know, some things come up and you can't always follow your plan and so you just have to adjust as you go. Yeah. And um, I was going to say, what about um, media and stuff? Like as an amateur race car driver, what kind of, I guess, business aspects do you think is really important? Yeah, so I do a lot of media setup before an event. I will have um, a splash banner for the event that's done ahead of time and that will list, you know, event times. And as soon as the schedule comes out, then I'll update it with all my session times so that people can follow along. And then that also has uh, my sponsors listed on for that event. And then throughout the weekend, I'll pre-program some stuff to occur. So like, each morning I'll show, hey, here's where the live timing and scoring is and here's the sessions that I'm running of the day so so that, you know, friends and fans can follow along and that will be pre-scheduled. And then throughout the weekend, I'll also update in real time um, things that are happening, how I did in different sessions and then like, you know, how I did in qualifying, how I did in the race and a little bit of the backstory behind it, you know, try and tell a story with each of the posts. And so there's a fair amount of work that goes to that. And then after a race weekend, I have a, I'll do a full race report and then that gets sent off to all my sponsors and I will also send them a custom note to each of the sponsors, letting them know what I did for them that week um, and the impact it has. And it will have links either to the race report or my race videos, or if I've worked with them on a recent partnership for an article or a video and stuff, it'll link to that as well and let them know how that, how that, um, 
promotion is really performing. So that that's a fair amount of work there that I do just in servicing the sponsorships. So that's fantastic. I love what you're saying, James. You're echoing my words. <laughs> so thanks very much for all of that. Um, so you do realize that sponsorship is very important in just even if you want to raise it at amateur level. Um, so you're mentioning about doing some of those things for the sponsors. What kind of, um, I guess, commitment have they shown to you? Like, is it have you now found that you've got long-term sponsorships? Have uh, you got better working relationships? Um, with these sponsors, what are the benefits being for both parties, both yourself as a driver and for the sponsor? So I think, um, yeah, I definitely have some longer term sponsorships over time. So I'm really appreciative of, especially of uh, a few sponsors, you know, gave me a shot. I was kind of unknown when I first started out. I don't, I didn't have a lot of materials and stuff. And so we started off with something small and then I tried to over deliver on that. And then from there, it's just grown. Um, one of our partners, Butler built racing seats. So we started out and they were looking to sell one product. And so I helped produce some content for them to sell that product, you know, a video and an install kit and stuff. And then from there, that's grown into multiple uh, products and promotions that we've done together. And so when they're trying out some new products or they're trying to, to move other types of products, they'll work with me to create a, a program to help them. Um, and also to help inform other races about, hey, this is how you install things. You know, a lot of these companies, especially the small companies, they don't have a lot of resources to either do promotion at the track or do promotion of, you know, how-to articles and install articles that takes a lot of time. And so when I have the skill set to be able to do that for them, I can fill that gap in their business needs. Yeah, and is something is marketing, sorry, something that you enjoy doing or you just know it's a have to in order to stay out on the racetrack? Uh, I, th- I think, so I started out doing it and I wasn't sure about it, but when I was getting into racing, I saw it as a way to offset my costs um, and, and a good way to try to learn new skills. And as I've gotten into it more, I found that it also helps me a lot in my work life. So there are benefits to understanding what a business needs in, in my daily job as well. Cause it, it, it's the way I interact with people it helps with and it's understanding uh, people's needs and objectives has helped me in industry as well as helped me from a marketing side. And so I've, I enjoy it. I enjoy doing it. Um, and so it's kind of grown with me as I've grown in my abilities to do it. Yeah, and I'm sure the sponsors are very thankful for that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 been good. I've got a lot of good feedback, and I, I really appreciate everybody who's come along to help me. Um, uh, it's it's definitely helped my racing program, and it it kind of grows upon itself. So when when I do a good job with one sponsor, you know, often it result in working with another sponsor or being able to do some business to business work as well. Sure does. It's the world of networking, isn't it? And it's easy to it's easier to get a sponsor to be, a, uh, I guess, a testimonial reference for you, and to bring their network upon on, as opposed to you having to try and seek cold leads. Yeah, and it definitely helps in when uh, uh, when you're doing a pitch uh, with a, a new company to show them how you've helped increase sales or what kind of promotions you can do, and you have concrete examples to show them. I think there's a lot of people that um, 
just ask for money uh, and don't really ask, you know, how do you help the business? And so my first question always is, Hey, how can I help you? And what are your needs? You know, it's not, Hey, how can you help me? It's how can I help you? Because I was taught that uh, very early on from one of my mentors that I was working with at Bonner Race Marketing, that that's really what it's all about. And then you will get that return uh, even more so than if you just go in asking for checks. You know, you're going to get a bigger return from helping their business, and it might it might take longer, but it'll be more beneficial, and the relationship will probably last longer. Again, James, I love what you're saying. Thanks. <laughs> It's always great when someone else is saying it as opposed to people just constantly hearing me echoing those words. So thank you very much. I'll pay you later. No, no, I'm only joking. <laughs> um, have you um, done any on-track activations um, that's been successful or something that's even little things that, that you could recommend for the, the drivers to do? Um, we don't do a lot of on-track activations where we're collecting data or um, you know emails or people's things like that. Um, what we have done is we've done, uh, hospitality for certain large events. Um, so friends and family come by, or I know a couple of sponsors are going to come by. I'll try and make a hospitality event for that to work out. Um, that's kind of worked really well for me in order to do activation. There would, there would have to be, um, for it to be really worthwhile, there would have to be a little bit of a larger audience than we are because, at a local club racing, there's often just, you know, friends, family, and whoever the pit crews are of those people. There's not a lot of spectators that come out to our events just because just of the style of racing it is. Um, but we try to work with what partners need from an activation standpoint, um, just but being realistic about what we can deliver. You know, I'm not trying to promise that they're going to get, you know, 10,000 people coming to the track when there's not 10,000 people coming to the track. Fantastic. So you're really passionate about our sponsorship and you're very active on social media. What do you love about doing social media and um, what's your favorite platform? So I kind of have a, I, I, I love it and I hate it at the same time. Um, I mean, social, social media is beneficial. Uh, it's an ever-changing world and it's often difficult to keep up with. And so uh, sometimes it just feels like you're feeding the content monster. But um, other times it's really beneficial when I can engage with fans that have said, hey, I, I read your article about how to install a radio into a helmet and it helped me and I put a radio in my helmet. You know, That's the kind of reward that's really great to hear. And so right now I think... I like the Instagram um, just because it's, it's a very visual medium. Um, Facebook, I, there's difficulties with reach right now, um, just with natural organic reach. Um, it's more of a pay-to-play kind of marketing thing. And so I, I think what's important is not just doing the social media side of it, but also having your own portal and building your own lists. So like your own email marketing lists or building your own website so that you kind of own that resource and you're not reliant on somebody else's algorithm or what they do. And so over time, what's happened is a lot of my traffic will actually come from searches or Google searches more than it will come from like a social media or a direct link now. And so that's turned out to be a lot more beneficial. 
um, in terms of uh, views, benefit to getting more people involved in motor, motorsports kind of thing. And so uh, I guess that's a really long-winded answer <laughs> to your question, but yeah, I, I, I struggle with Twitter. I struggle with, so we don't do as lot, uh, a lot on Twitter. Um, it's mostly around real time. So race weekends, we'll probably post there. But uh, just keeping up with Twitter is kind of a lot of work when I have a, a full-time day job. And then so, so Instagram tends to be what we post on. And then I'll post a lot of stuff on our Facebook. And then most of our stuff is going direct to our website. So. Fantastic. And so you mentioned that um, your business, Kenga Motorsports, is that a hobby and that's something that you're wanting to pursue full-time or is it always just going to be a bit of a side hustle or is there grander plans for Kenga? Yeah. So at this point it's just a hobby. So it's not incorporated as business as such. It's not specifically a business. I would, I would really like to grow it. I mean, I would, I would really like to be able to, to service more people, help get more people involved in motorsports. Um, the more people I could, I think it, that we can show like, what it costs, what to expect, how to get involved. Hopefully it will help everybody and, you know, and the sport in general. And then there's more people to race, which is more fun. So that's kind of where I'd like to go with it. Um, it's just, there's, there's realistic time limitations, you know, with a full-time job doing many other things, other activities, and then the racing, you know, there's only so much time that I can dedicate to actual producing content or improving upon Kanga Motorsports. So. And you do um, create fantastic content. So if anyone hasn't um, checked out Kanga Motorsport, head to kangamotorsport.com and look at those free resources that James does have available. Um, so you've mentioned, we've talked about some sponsorships and social media, but the other thing that you're really great at is public relations and really getting that name of Kanga Motorsports out there. Do you have some tips and tricks about that? Um, I, I assume that you do a lot of work with the local media there and um, or the industry press over there. Yeah, so that's an area we've been trying to grow. I think starting out, we really focused on the social media and that landscape kind of changed. But the, I, I think a lot of people overlook the traditional medias. And so we've been trying to do some activities with traditional media for some time. Um, it takes a long time to get through that process. So I think the... I think the real takeaway message there is don't be discouraged. You're probably going to hear 10 no's before you get a yes. And often what will happen is we'll contact a magazine or a paper to do something and, that, and they'll file us away for a future. And then they'll have a, an opening or a gap where they want to do an article or an activity. And then, and then they'll be on you instantly and they'll want something really quick within a week or so to, to kind of get a spot field in a magazine. And so it's really just trying to make those contacts, um, trying to show how you're, you want to help them and their audience and kind of being patient. You know, you're not always going to get it straight away and it's not always going to work first time. Yeah. And so obviously we're talking about a lot around business development. Um, do you think it's important or I should say, would you be going down this avenue of doing all this social media websites if you were just an amateur driver and not having Kanga Motorsports, do you think it's important for an amateur driver to be, be online and look after sponsors and have an awareness and all of that? Yeah, I think it's important. It's really what you want to do. I, you know, 
realistically, I'm doing it to offset my costs. You know, the, the, the club racing costs, um, in general are, are quite high, you know? Um, and so if I can offset those costs by doing business to business or business to consumer, um, kind of activation and, and avenues, then I can really kind of do more events. And that was my original driver for when I wanted it. Cause I, I used to only just be able to do half a season or so. And so I would do, you know, four weekends a year and I'd only get to, you know, eight of the 14 races in the season. And, you know, I, I can't win the championship doing that. And I, and I also, that's not, as often as I wanted to do in order to progress as a driver. So anything that would allow me to get more seat time and get to more events was going to be beneficial. And so that was one motivation that kind of grew what we do now. And now it's, you know, it's kind of grown upon itself and it's, it's, it's really been helpful. And and that's why I'm really thankful to everybody who's helped me and the partners that have helped us to get here is that now I can do like larger national events or I can do a more full season. Yeah, is there any other race category that you wanted to dip your toe in or have a round at? Yeah, I actually like um, some of the endurance racing. There's actually quite a bit of uh, budget endurance racing in the US now. And so I, I did a race which was the 25 Hours of Thunder Hill, and I really enjoyed that because it's more of a, it's more of a big event and then you get a lot of time in the car, but you're also working as a team, um, whereas the club racing tends to be more of a sprint kind of activity so it's maybe 25 to 35 minute races but you spend you know three days getting ready for two 25 minute races it's it's a lot of work and time to do a short amount of track time and so i think doing the endurance events you also get better at like skills like passing and racecraft because there's a large disparity in speeds and so you're either being passed or you're passing a lot of people um in your one to two hour stints so Sounds good. And do you follow Australian Motorsports? Yeah. So I, from time to time, I will check in on results, but I'm not a big avid follower. I know the, the, the V8 supercars actually is really well respected over here in the U S um, just because it is such close racing. Um, and you know, the, the machines themselves are impressive to people as well. So that like we often will see like video clips or um, activity from, from that racing. And then when I can, I try to watch some of the Bathurst racing too. Um, but you know, it's, it's all a time balance thing, you know, I'm, e- I'm either working on racing or I'm watching racing, you know, I'd rather be working on racing. So that's all racing yourself. Yeah. All racing. Yeah. And so do you get back to Australia often, James? Like, have you actually been to Bathurst or have you, have you done a lap around Bathurst at all? Or? No, I've actually never been to Bathurst. That, that would be one thing for, uh, to do definitely when we go back. Uh, we, my wife and I, she's from the US, uh, we go back every two to three years. So we, we get to be, back to see family. My brother has, you know, some young kids and it's always nice to see them and, and see the family. So we try to do that every couple of years just, just because it is expensive. Um, we don't go all the time. So probably because I'm spending the money on tires. <laughs> That's right. There's always motorsport parts or things. Yeah, there's always something on the car. <laughs> um, where is home in Australia? Which state? So 
Yeah, I grew up in Adelaide. So when I was a kid, I remember hearing the Formula One cars screaming around the circuits. Um, and so I actually went to uh, one of, the, I remember very vividly going to uh, like a Friday test day for Formula One as a child in Adelaide. And then, you know, then we would have the Clipsal 500 uh, there. And so that was always great to see. Do you follow um, the F1s now still? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I do watch all the race highlights for F1. I don't actually sit down and watch a full race. Um, and then the other racing I really like watching lately is the IndyCar racing. I think that's just getting better and better now. Um, it, part of that is because, you know, anybody can really win it any weekend and that the cars are really close. It's actually producing really good racing of late. And I think that that sport's kind of taken a little bit of an uptick, whereas Formula One may, may be in a little bit of a downtick because I think people are starting to get bored with the, you know, the same position finishing. So. Well, James, I really appreciate your time today. You've certainly given us lots of um, golden nuggets. Um, do you have any other advice um, that you can offer that amateur motorsport competitor wanting to get into sponsorship um, or anything? Yeah, I think, the biggest thing that I was scared of is like most people is, you know, rejection. Nobody likes to hear no. Um, and that's, that's kind of tough. You just, you kind of have to get used to it. Um, there were, there were a lot of no's along the way, but you're eventually going to find someone who does say yes, you know, at any level. And then when you, when you do find that person, try to under promise and over deliver. Um, and so it, it's not a numbers game though. I want to make, don't, don't just go sending, sending packages to everybody. Um, it's not a numbers game. Be very thoughtful in how you do it. And you're more likely to get a yes than you are. a No. If you just randomly send out a whole bunch of stuff, which I've, I've seen and, and people have actually sent to me, um, it's really not going to be useful. So I would say approach a company, try to understand the company, ask them how you can help them. And be okay with getting rejections at the start. And like anything, it's the more you practice, the better you'll get at it. So, you know, I was probably sounded really nervous when I was first calling people and trying to, but as you get better at it, you know, you kind of get used to it. That's right. And it is just practice, but also just believing in your product and that product is being yourself and what you can actually offer. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was tough for me to do. I, 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 you know, when I was starting out, I'm like, well, I just, you know, I, I go racing on the weekend for fun and I have a website, you know, like who really needs that kind of thing. But companies, yeah, companies do. Cause so there'll be lots of companies that, you know, they can't make it out to all the racetracks all the time. And so if you can be there for them to do either product support or help them out as a representative, you know, that, that's a tangible and you're already going to be at the racetrack that any small company can really benefit from. So there, there's something straight there that you can do just as being a competitor. Yeah. And, and again, you're living their dream. Everybody wants to be a motorsport competitor. And so if you are, that's already a tick in the box, ready to go straight away. Yeah, you exactly. Get a CEO that's wanting to fulfill that dream. So, James, thank you again for your time. I really had a, a lot of fun with this interview today. Um, all the best in the US and with Kanga Motorsports. Um, all the links to Kanga Motorsports will be in today's show notes. Um, excuse me. As well as James's LinkedIn 
um, the URL. So if you're ready to um, get in contact with James, I'm sure James would be happy to answer any questions. Yep. I'm happy to answer questions. Contact me, email me through kangamotorsports.com or contact me on the social media uh, at kangamotorsports. And I'm happy to help people getting started in motorsports. James, we hope that you come back to Australia soon and um, get to do your hot lap around Bathurst. Uh, make sure when you come to town that you let us know and we can catch up. That'll be great fun. Yeah, I look forward to that. Thanks again, James. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Now, remember all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could head to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Motorsport Coaching, subscribe and leave us a review. Each week, I'll read them out and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at Motivate to Team. Until next time, take care.